Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. You have reached episode number 314, entitled Imagine adding images to your website with AI. It was published on Thursday the 9th of February 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley and I'll be joined by two guests in a few moments so that we can talk about Imagine, which is a SaaS service as well as a WordPress plugin for creating AI art. But before we do that, just a couple of bits of housekeeping. The Page Builder Summit is back. We've officially launched the website. This is version five of the Page Builder Summit. It's happening between the 20th and the 24th of February, so pretty soon. If you go to pagebuildersummit.com, once more, pagebuildersummit.com, there are lots of orange buttons entitled Get Your Free Ticket. And if you click that button, well, that's what you're going to do. Get your free ticket. We will keep you updated as the gates open and as the event unfolds during the week. If you go to that page, you can see a whole list of what's happening. You can see information about some of the speakers and what they're talking about. So I would strongly encourage you to join us on that wonderful free event in a couple of weeks' time, pagebuildersummit.com. The only other thing to mention is that we have our Mastodon install at wpbuilds.social. A few of you joined up during the last week or so, and so feel free to do that. It's a completely free hosted version of Mastodon. And if you're a bit fed up of Twitter, well, feel free to join us over there. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with The Hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place. Invoice clients and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by visiting go.me forward slash wpbuilds. Once more, go.me forward slash wpbuilds. And it is with sincere thanks that I say thank you to GoDaddy Pro for their ongoing support of the WP Builds podcast. Okay, what have we got on the show for you today? Well, it's going to be a fascinating introduction to AI art. We have the founders of Imagine, which is a SaaS app, as well as a WordPress plugin. The two people are Josh Daly and Aaron Edwards. They've been in the WordPress space, as you'll hear, for a very long time. And we're talking about their product, which is called Imagine. It's got a quirky spelling. It's I M. A-J-I-N-N, and it will create AI art for you. So we get into the subject of how that art is created, and honestly, it is utterly fascinating how the images pop up. I really didn't understand how the process worked and how it kind of spreads like a ripple on a pond out from a prompt that you give it. It's been trained on 8 billion images and it does a pretty good job. But Aaron and Josh explain how sometimes it can be tripped up and goes in a bit of a weird direction and creates some quirks. We explain how it works, how it puts things into your WordPress media library, how you can tweak images that you think need a bit of adjustment. And of course, we get into the subject of how much it costs to use the service as well, because it uses a lot of computer power. It's a really, really interesting episode, and I hope that you enjoy it. I am joined on the podcast today, today by two, two fine gentlemen coming to us from North America. One, I believe, is in Arizona and the other, I believe, is in Texas. We're joined by Josh Daly. We are joined by Josh Daly and Aaron or Aaron Edwards. Which one is it, Aaron? I apologize. Uh, depends uh, where you're from, I guess. <laughs> Aaron is, is how I say it. Well, yeah, that'll do. I'll go with Aaron in that case. How are you both doing? We're great. Thanks for having us, Nathan. 
Yeah, you're very yeah, welcome. Yeah, doing fantastic. Yeah, it, it's very nice. Josh has been on the podcast several times. I'm not sure if we've had um, Aaron on before, but uh, yeah, Josh has been on because if you want to listen to a previous episode with Josh, there's another product which these guys are involved in called Infinite Uploads. So go and check that out. But today we're talking about a new product that they have launched relatively recently. By the time this episode comes out, it'll have probably been on the shelves for a couple of months. It's all about image generation through AI modeling. It's all the hotness at the moment. It's genuinely really interesting. And it's called, let, let me try and get the name, name pronounced correctly. I think I've got it right. It's called Imagine, but it's not how you would imagine how it would be spelt. It's spelled I-M-A-J-I-N-N. It's on the WordPress.org repo. It is WordPress.org forward slash plugins forward slash imagine dash ai go and check it out pause the podcast go and check it out and when you've when you've checked it out you can come back and you'll be far more school than what's going on a couple of things first let's deal with you one at a time i'm going to go to josh first if that's all right very briefly the, the sort of one minute potted history of josh's life and wordpress on your marks get set go <laughs> Oh my, this is a challenge. Actually, it's not too bad. Uh, if you roll back to about 2012, I was doing uh, videos, a lot of content creation for local businesses and small nonprofits in the state of Arizona. And um, they needed a way to distribute that content. And so they asked if I could come up with a, a way to put it on the web. And that's when I found WordPress actually from Aaron kind of showing me um, how to install it on my own server and get that out there. And so then I found out real quick that I needed additional help because of all the security pharma hacks, that kind of stuff at the time and got really involved um, in, in the WordPress community after that, that time frame. So yeah, that's that's a little bit about me and how I found WordPress and the rest is history. Perfect. Thank you. And you you did it in an admirable 58 seconds, which is just on the money. And uh, Aaron, one minute, go. <laughs> sure. I started with WordPress version 2.6, I think, way back. It's like Whoa. 2008, maybe. Okay. And um, basically, I, I really love the multi-site aspect of it. Um, and I was building a, a site for myself and joined some online communities and started learning how to develop plugins for it. And um, then I ended up becoming my full-time job when I started working for WPMU Dev, um, which is still my day job. I'm the CTO now there uh, many, many years later. And uh, we've grown to quite a big company. So I have a lot of experience building different products for WordPress. And in the last few years, me and Josh have uh, been doing some side projects and building some things on our own, um, starting with infinite uploads and Web3WP and now our Imagine plugin that we just launched. Thank you very much. Um, I don't know whether it's a win, but that was slightly shorter, but uh, neither here nor there. Okay, so Imagine is the the focus of today's podcast, and it's all about AI image generation. Now, you, you, I genuinely think that you have had to have been under a rock for the last couple of years to, to not be aware that AI is taking over, well, almost everything. You know, you've got AI models in all sorts of things. We've got WordPress connecting up with things like GPT-3 so that you can create text-based um, posts and titles and all of that with the click of a button, really kind of trimming down the amount of time that you spend on things. But rewinding a couple of years ago, I was just saying to the guys before we hit record, when people said to me, "What was the what, when, when I got into that conversation that you do from time to time when you've, you're sort of sitting around and you say, how are computers different from humans? My my constant reply was well humans can do art and computers cannot do art they never will be able to do art it's a function of a human you know because we've got this unique spark we've got consciousness whatever that is and we can create it and there's no way that a computer can ever do that well blow me two years or so <laughs> two years or so down the road it turns out i was completely wrong because computers not only can they do art they can do sublimely good art and they can do it in the amount of time it takes me to basically get out the chair to pick up the brush. 
you know, they can create multiple pieces of incredible art in just split seconds. So I guess I don't know which one of you wants to tackle this question. My first one is more on the technical side of things. It's magical when you push the button. You push the button, you give it some prompts and out comes a piece of art. But how on God's green earth does it even do it? So how is the technology built? What's going on in the background when I click that button? What pieces of technology are linked together? And so whoever wants to tackle that, I would really genuinely love to know. That's probably me, Aaron, uh, being the technical side of things. Um, it's, it is very mysterious. Uh, I think just um, starting from the beginning is all these AI models are built by collecting a huge amount of data. So usually that's from scraping the internet. So in this case, with the model that we're using, um, it's an open data set that just was just released called Lion. Um, and it has about 5 billion images that were scraped just from all over the internet and then categorized in different categories like watermark or no watermark, adult or not, um, different things like that. And they take the text that went along with it. So if it had alt text or there's text on the web page that was associated that, with that image, that was scraped. So there's kind of that relation. And then they took that and they used a model called Clip, which basically was a model that I can't remember who generated it first. I think it might've been Google, but basically it's a way of turning an image into a text description. So that's been out for a while. Um, and, and those have gotten better at humans at describing an image um, using those kind of AI models. So they basically took that to expand their data. So it's just kind of building on, building on, building on um, each development creates a new innovation. You know, so in this case, so now they have a whole bunch of text and a whole bunch of images that are associated. So then they train the AI basically saying this color, this pixel is associated uh, like a certain amount of weight with this word or this phrase. And so um, uh, the, the thing is different about this is uh, to collect this amount of data and then to train an AI with this amount of data costs a whole lot of money, a whole lot of compute time. So it probably cost a few hundred thousand dollars to build the model that we're using. So we didn't do that ourselves. And there's actually a uh, organization that's funded by some tech millionaire. And he basically said, let's, let's try to uh, do a more libertarian approach to AI instead of having Google or Facebook, whatever that has all this money and compute power to create these models and keep them private. Uh, let's, let's first create this model and release it publicly of all the, of all the images and then let's train it. Um, and, and they kind of copied the way Dolly did it. So Dolly, uh, if, if you use that, that's a model by OpenAI, And, uh, that's the one that kind of was announced first and impressed everyone, you know, just seeing the amazing kind of images that could be created through it, but it's still very closed. There's no API that you can use. You have to use their site and they're very restrictive on, on the things that, uh, you can do with it. Um, so they kind of copied some of the, the ways that they published how they're going to create this and they trained their own model, which took um, hundreds of thousands of dollars in compute time to train. And then very recently, just in August, they've actually publicly released this called the weights, which is basically just a big file that, that has all the training weights for all that data set. Um, and that's what made it open. That's what made us able to build this product basically. So, Somebody went around and found images on the web which are completely open, freely available. And I think you said, did you say 8 billion with a B? Uh, yeah, I think the original data set is, is 8 billion. Um, they filtered it down to like 5 billion of, okay. of the most quality like images, you know, and filtering out bad stuff as much as possible before they actually did the training okay. of and, this AI model. And then the the intention of the AI is to, so as an example, uh, if there was an image with a cat in it and there was alt text in the image, for, for example, you know, that said there's a cat in this image or something along those lines. And then the AI is then presented with countless other images with cats. It learns that, okay, this is this is kind of like the shape and the look and the the texture, if you like, of a cat and, and 
is am I on kind of the right lines, which then could be extrapolated for a, a cow and a human and a car and a road and a dog and a cloud and whatever noun we might pick? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really understand what it is. It yep. just understands that once it creates this pixel from random, starting with random noise, then the next pixel next to it, what is um, for this given set of text? What is this most likely color, basically? And it basically does that in it starts at very blurry and then it just runs it through a whole bunch of iterations and steps until the picture becomes clear and clearer based on the original random noise that it started with. Okay, so if we were to, if we were to watch the the AI in progress and, and I know that it's in a fraction of a second, so we'd be slicing time into thousandths of a second. We would start with a like a random noise picture just almost like the background universe noise, just garbage, just exactly just like static static of the yeah and then the then slowly but surely almost almost as if you were sort of slowly opening your eyes it, it things would start to appear and pixels would be generated and then it would make decisions about what the adjacent pixels would be based upon it was taught previously and then exactly. again if you could if you could just follow through that journey the slice of a thousand thousands of seconds you would see it take shape and other particles and other you know there's a human appearing over there and there's a cow appearing over there and look now we can see a cloud appearing until finally it says i'm done that's it that's as much as i can do yeah and there isn't really any done like it's just a matter of how much time you want to wait and compute power okay um, before it gets a usable picture so there's always a trade-off of how much money you want to spend basically compared to what's good enough for a human okay I mean, like, we've just said all of that. I'm, I'm, I'm just utterly flabbergasted. I don't know if you use that word. <laughs> I'm completely <laughs> flabbergasted that any of this works. I mean, it's, it's completely remarkable. So, but the, the intention with plugins like Imagine, though, is that I have to, in a sense, the, the AI has been taught by the metadata and the images it's been given. But in order to create an image, I then have to feed it some seed text. And I'm guessing it is text. So I have to yes. say to your plugin, okay, I would like a, a variety of pictures with, I don't know, sheep and wheelchairs and computer monitors and headphones. And then it just gets to work and it decides where they should be. But there's no kind of... There's no defined structure. The headphones could be top left or bottom right or in the middle or large or small or blue or anything goes. There's no there's no rule set which is going to dictate what it will look like once it's finished. Um, you know, it's not a formula. I couldn't predict the output from the input. Right, not not perfectly, but it's obviously following the weights that it's getting from the text that you enter. So. Yeah. It actually is becoming a new art form in itself in the fact that um, we call it a prompt, which is the text description of what you want to generate. Um, it's actually quite the learned skill to figure out how to prompt it in such a way that it generates what you want. So a, a little akin to how when everybody started using search engines, they had to adapt the language to get the best out of Google because exactly. you know, you just figure out over time that okay, I don't need a whole load of, oh, I don't know. There's just all sorts of words in a sentence that are superfluous. They don't actually make the the search better. You don't need the word it and ah and so on. You just need the 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 important language, if you like. Is it a bit like that? Yeah, that's a great example. Because like for example, in the past, if you asked, "What is corn?" or something like that, well, you're not gonna find anywhere on the web where someone actually wrote what is corn and then gives the answer they just write about corn yeah so google had to adapt its algorithms and stuff to actually adapt it to more the way people search to return the right information that they want yeah um so right now we're kind of in those early stages to where if you just ask create a picture of this or whatever it's not going to do what you expect so there's a bit of an art form of knowing okay how to request what you want and what styles you want and different things like that to yeah. generate the art that, that you want. Yeah, I think this is utterly mind-blowing. Yeah, I think the, the Google analogy is really quite interesting because you think about how SEO has improved over time because 
people were trying to game it over and over and over and Google itself got smarter the way that the algorithm was written, the way that the data was being taken in. And now there's a lot less um, even an attempt at, say, gaming that system and more so just kind of what is the end user experience? What's the best end user experience that we can give? And so we just need to be clear. We need to be concise. We need to be right about how we're writing. And I think AI is going to have that uh, a, a similar, you know, journey that it has to go on to where in these early days stuff might look different or is more confusing. But there's some already advances in what that looks like every day. Aaron's sending over some kind of crazy new innovation around this stuff, and we're thinking, how do we integrate this into what we're doing and stuff? But a lot of times the limitations is either compute power or it's just like Aaron said, the learning curve around what it takes for somebody to be able to um, appropriately communicate with the, the tool. Yeah, I guess over time, the humans will become better at um, just for themselves judging what the output's like. You know, okay, I, I tried writing it this way and that's really a, a poor experience. I didn't enjoy or didn't really in, like the aesthetic of what I got out. Whereas when I tried it this way, yeah, that's that's really interesting. You, on the on the WordPress.org repo, you you mentioned that there are tools, and you mentioned uh, three which people may have heard of, and and these are other engines which can do this same kind of work. You mentioned Dali, which I think people have that's probably the most likely one that people have heard of. There's another one called Mid Journey, which, to my understanding, it's more into creating pieces of artwork, so the kind of stuff you might see in a kind of high end gallery. Um, and then there's one called Stable Diffusion, which if if memory serves, is soon to be available, like um, you know, on desktop computers and things like that as well. What's what's the one that you're using called? Is it one of those three, the engine that you're using, or is it a different one? Yeah, so we're using the stable diffusion model. So that's the only model that's been released publicly. And um, in fact, Midjourney itself, uh, most people would believe that they're actually using stable diffusion as kind of the underlining uh, model, uh, some version of that, which is some customization to make the output more beautiful or more artistic, you know? Yeah. So uh, I remember seeing. Yeah, so that's what you're using, stable diffusion. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I remember seeing a, um, somebody post a picture of Mid Journey. In fact, a whole variety of pictures of Mid Journey. This was probably going back about two months now. So not that long ago. And I was literally speechless. I was seeing things which, as far as I was concerned, and I, I made the sort of slightly glib analogy earlier that, you know, computers will never be able to make art. Well, having looked at this stuff, it genuinely was caught between, no, this has to be a, a, a uh, sorry, not a computer. This has to have been done by a, a human. And of course, you read the article and you realize that not only was it not done by a human, but it was done in fractions of a second with very little input. You know, it was just told to get on with it. And a few seconds later, there it is. But also I detected something which I didn't anticipate, which was kind of artistry. I expected it to be in the same way that, you know, you expect a computer like Data out of Star Trek to be this sort of automaton who doesn't have much creativity and is bound by the constraints of what he's been taught. And he can only, uh, you know, he's, he's binary, basically. But I was looking at images and I thought, wow, there's real artistry there. You know, there's like subtle things going on, like the hair is being blown in a certain direction. And the in this case, there was a there was a picture of a lady standing in what looked like some sort of tolkien-esque land with a great big moon in the background and you know she was sort of standing there and the wind was blowing her clothing and and it, it was just phenomenal and the attention to detail was the thing that took me back it genuinely looked like somebody had poured hours and hours and hours days weeks and so on into it but uh, sort of drawn up short by the shock of figuring out okay no it was a couple of seconds <laughs> it's it's remarkable it must take you back as well when you see this stuff for sure. Yeah. Anything to add, Josh? Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I, I mean, we've spent a lot of time playing with it and using it. And every time it's kind of a stunning reality, right? You're sitting there and you type in a few words and then it comes out with something and, and you're just mind blown every time. And you're like, oh, I got to share this one too. And I got to share this one too. So people get tired of your. <laughs> 
your social media really yeah. fast because it's always another yeah. <laughs> another yeah. image where you're like, look at this one. Can you, imagine a future, can you imagine a future where the stick man drawing is suddenly back in vogue because people are just sick and tired of ext- <laughs> extraordinarily good drawings. They just want, just want oh, a stick yeah. man. What a really plain, boring drawing right. again. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, okay, so right. we've, got, we've got some kind of in, impression of how it works. So now we know that the, there's a computer uh, doing this and we've got this idea that it's over time although it's a very small slice of time it builds up based upon what it's been taught and so on and so forth but you've um you've obviously implemented this into our favorite cms wordpress how does that work so we've got the imagine um plugin by infinite uploads go and look for that url will be in the show notes like i mentioned um we installed the plugin do you, one of you take on the the sort of experience of how the workflow works, what what we're doing in the UI, and how all of that, how we get these images into our posts and pages and media library. So essentially, if you go into the repository and you install the plugin, it's a very seamless experience of getting it set up and activated. Um, you just are able to create your account with by putting in your email address and kind of getting ready to roll at it. Um, And we wanted to give people the opportunity to really get a sense of of it. So we have, even though the the computing costs um, can get really expensive really fast, we wanted to make sure that everybody had a chance to play around with it, get that that sense. But you go in, you just um, start putting prompts in and it will generate four images at the same time, and we have different variations of those images. The to to help you be able to see what what kind of output you could get. Um, but one of the things that I think is important to note when you're playing with it for the first time, um, we we saw that it was hard for people like we had already talked about to understand the prompt work. So we actually added another way for you to summon the genie that will come in and give a better prompt based off of your prompt. So you could click the button and it will expand out on that prompt and then you could select the prompt to help you create better images right out of the gate. Um, And if you get an image that you really like and it has some variation that you wanted to do, you can actually then go in and draw over the top of that image in to select a different space like you would in in Photoshop or in Canva or or whatever tool you would normally use to edit an image with. You could select out an area, it will mask it, and then you can tell the prompt to just rewrite in that one space. So you could actually edit your image in in some way and have another image over the top of that come into place that's going to be based off of the pixels around it can i just can i just make sure so i understood a, that josh uh, just quickly so yeah. if i if i type some text in um there's also an opportunity within the plugin to look at what what you're recommending as possible improvements upon that text so that's uh, did, is that what you were mentioning at the beginning a moment ago yeah so so you have your image that's been generated and you go, oh, I, I actually wanted there to be a cat in this spot of the image. So you could select that Got it. space of the image, add, add a cat over the sky here, and it will, um, it will use the pixels around it to determine the style and then reinsert the, what you've asked for. Essentially, so you can yeah. You can so it's like an, ex- even yeah, it can be an iterative process. So w- what you're saying is that you can you can just chuck out four images and then run with the best one, select the bit that you like best, and then sort of modify and uh, rinse and repeat if you like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's phenomenal. Exactly. Yeah. So we we've extended it beyond just enter description and then generate pictures. So you you have different steps that you can do to modify that further, whether it's being generating additional variations that follow the same style of the one you like, or whether it's using the touch-up tool that he's talking about to paint out a part of the image and adjust it, for example, 
I had a picture of a queen and she wasn't wearing a crown. So I painted like the top of her head out and then added crown to the text. So it generated different variations with crowns on her head. So or, the, the, the technology knows that the area that you've painted out, that's, that's the focus for the crown. That's where we want the crown. Exactly. And if, you exactly. know, if you wanted top left son or bottom right, what I, I don't know, anything car, it knows that, okay, okay, we need a car in that bit. We need a crown on that bit. We need a son over there. That's, that's just phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. And that can be really useful because it's not like if you want a picture that has a lot of different objects in it, like say, okay, I want a boy flying a kite on the left and I want a girl sitting reading a book on the right and I want, you know, whatever it is. So you might only be able to generate, you couldn't put those all in the initial prompt and expect them all to show up. Right. Um, because it, because it's only good at really drawing one main subject or idea at a time. So you can start with that and then use our touch-up tool to paint out a section and then add in more features basically. Can you do the same thing, but in reverse? Let's say, for example, that a crown appeared and you wished to not have a crown. Is it possible to sort of highlight things? Well, maybe not highlight, but is there a process for saying, actually, can we can we take a second pass at this, but this time without the crown? Is that, Do you have to do that yeah. with language, you know, remove crown or whatever it may be? Yeah, it works really good for that, especially I've used a lot for removing sometimes pictures you generate have you can tell that there's like a watermark there because right. it's been trained on let's say stock photos that have watermarks so you might see like some faint <laughs> like text that doesn't really make sense yeah. but you see it there so you can just use the touch-up tool to select that area and then just change the prompt to like plain background or something like that okay um, and then it, it erases it pretty well. Okay, so let's imagine that we've got our first picture. We, we've got these four variations and and we've iterated it a little bit and we finally we finally come up with the one that we like. What's the process there? Um, do we then click a button and download it to the media library? Can we immediately insert it into a post? Can we generate it within a post? Um, further questions might be, you know, do we get to keep all of the variations that we created, even though none of them uh, initially were what we wanted? Do we still get ownership of those? And yeah, so just talk us through how we, once we've once we've gone through the process of creating stuff, how do we um, how do we sort of own them and implement them and put them into our pages yeah. and posts? Well, well, basically, when you see that grid of the image results pop up, there's a save button on each. And if you just click that, then it will actually pass it back to our AI where we run it through another algorithm that upscales it to a high resolution um, using a completely different AI model. And then it saves it into your media library with no watermark or anything. Um, and the cool thing about that is it also saves the original prompt you add to it. So you have that forever, like in the alt text or description in your media library. So you can, when you add the image later, it's there. Okay. Um, and then you can also click the insert button. So if you're using, Josh didn't mention this, but basically our plugin is a Gutenberg block. Yep. yep. Um, so, but it also works in other editors because we expose it under just the regular media um, tab in WordPress. And so there's actually a page where you can generate images, save them to your library for use in any page builder or theme if, you, if you're not a Gutenberg fan. So, okay. but if you're in Gutenberg, you can just click the insert button it does the same thing, saving it to your library and upscaling it, and then it inserts it as an image block into your poster page that you're editing at that moment. Okay, so we have to deliberately select one that we like. We send, we click save, we send it back to you. You make it, um, you know, a, a better version, strip out watermarks, stick it in the media library, and that all works inside of a block. But if you're, if you're not a user of Gutenberg, I don't know, you're Elementor or Beaver Builder or whatever it may be, there is an interface within the media library. I'm presuming one of the tabs across the top where it'll say imagine or something like that, and you can go and generate this stuff and save it directly to the media library and go to your Elementor page and insert it that way. Yes, it's yeah. currently a, a separate page under media. Okay. I would just say that the like the most wild part of all of this and that I still can't wrap my brain around and Nathan, you and I are like each other. I mean, it's like I still get mind blown every yeah. time I see this stuff. <laughs> but but is like the fact that this is all um 
the attribution, like you don't have to worry about attribution because it is a one of a kind image every time. And, and that's what I keep trying to figure out is like, where, where is this image coming from? And it's coming from nowhere. It's its own image. And if you're using it in your post or you're using it on, uh, as a featured image, or you're using it for even your social media or whatever, there's no attribution to give because it doesn't connect back to anybody. That's... So you can use these images wherever you want. You can give them away. You could sell them. You could do whatever you want with them because they're completely yours. Yeah. Owned by you. Uh, so, okay. So you have ownership of them. Um, do you have, okay, no, let me, let me rephrase that. You don't need to worry about using them, but let's say for example, that somebody came and used the image that you had created through Imagine and they put it on their website. Do you do you have any copyright ownership yourself of it that you know of? As a as a person who has paid to have that um, go through the AI, be put into your media library, do, do you know if you've got a leg to stand on there? Or, or does it just go into the public domain as soon as it's created and is out there on the web? Well, you created it, so you can license it however you want. So Fine, great. Even though they're generated on our API, you're the one generating them. And um, the actual license that we give you from our API is basically public domain. Yep. Um, but it's not public, it's private to you. So you're able to relicense it however you want. You can make it Creative Commons, you can just make it completely yours and your copyright, you know, that no one's allowed to use. Do you have a, do you have a sort of cloud set up here? In other words, if I wanted to save a whole bunch of them, but not necessarily to my media library. Do you take care of any of that? So like an archive of stuff that I've created in, in Imagine. I don't know that you do, but I'm just curious about that. Yeah, whenever you generate a prompt, it actually gets saved in uh, history. So in the sidebar in the editor, you actually see a history of all your generations and all the variations it created. And we save those in our cloud. And so at any point in time, you can just click load and load those back up into the editor so that you can save them to your media library or edit the prompt or, or do the touch up feature to adjust them, you know, but and is that, we save um, all those in our cloud. Is that, well, the, the words ad infinitum are obviously a bit ridiculous, but do you, do you have like a time period in which you'll maintain that or, you know, like you've got a year to download it or do you, uh, thus far, do you intend to just keep them for, for all time? We don't currently. We might have to put a limit at some point. Yeah. But yeah. it's a great opportunity to plug our other product, Infinite Uploads. Yeah. Yay, which... come on. You took the bait. <laughs> well done. Yeah. <laughs> which allows you to uh, connect your WordPress media to the cloud so you have infinite storage. And so if you have that active, then when you save it to your library, it yeah. just goes straight to the cloud. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a really genuinely cool like add-on service isn't it you know the fact that if you are creating loads of these uh, me personally i'd you know using this service i'd be creating a couple of dozen a month tops probably but you know if i was a major a major website something like TechCrunch, where they're producing dozens and dozens and dozens every single day the storage of that in the end especially if you're iterating through it because you want to get to the perfect one would start to add up and so having having a sort of nice cloud backup with something like infinite uploads would yeah would be really cool i'm just curious one thing that occurs to me is that we all have different constraints about what it is that you know the dimensions and so on that we want these images to be we might want them to be small or large or letterbox or i don't know portrait landscape and so on are there are there options to do that at the point of creation? In other words, can I say I, I just want to see square ones, please, or I don't know, a nineteen by six, whatever it might be? Can I define all of that at the point of creation rather than having to tweak it later on? Yeah, we we default to square images, but we provide an option for like a, a wide format or a tall format, two by three or three by two. Okay. Um, the actual AI model was trained on square images. So that gives you the best results. Um, so for example, if you're generating, say, a tall image and it's like a portrait of a person's face that's very closely zoomed in, then what can happen is since the AI is trained on a square image, it'll draw like the face, but then it kind of loses, it's called coherence, it loses track of what it's drawing. And it starts adding another face on top of it. So you oh, get like nice. a head with, with two <laughs> sets of eyes or two mouths or double 
or like I, I drew a portrait of Donald Trump just for fun. And it made like a little mini Trump floating above his head. It was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> you know that. So yeah, when when the when the dictionary was designed, you know, I can't remember who who it was. Some guy in the UK just put together this dictionary. Doctor J. Doctor Johnson, I believe his name was. He uh, he sort of had this notion that it'd be used for all these highfalutin purposes, you know. And of course, everybody presented with their first dictionary just starts to look up rude words, don't they? You can imagine uh-huh. the uh, imagine <laughs> the sort of fun you could have here, just creating sort of all sort of anarchic things and deliberately trying to trip up the AI to create comedy. And I imagine it would right. be quite actually quite useful for creating hysterically weird photographs i've not i've not explored it that is. but yeah like you yes, know the double eyes that you just like mentioned famous, would be great. Yeah. or or famous people that yeah. there's a lot of training data for you can yeah. generate like really cool stuff of you know celebrities or politicians things well, like that, that. <laughs> that's a perfect segue then into constraints that might be around this because obviously you know celebrities might be one example of it perhaps a particular celebrity wouldn't take very kindly to you making images where they've got extra pairs of eyes or their head is distended or whatever it may be. Um, And of course, I'm sure that we can all imagine scenarios where this could be used for all sorts of purposes that really nobody wants to see on the internet. I don't need to develop that anymore. We can all imagine what that might mean. Um, Does the AI take any of that into account? In other words, if I was to go in and deliberately try to create images of this kind of nature are there are there guardrails are there things which make sure that the content that is spat out is to use a word i don't know the word that's coming into my head is wholesome but i'm sure you know what i mean right well that's that's always the challenge with ai so the original most popular kind of tool for this image stuff is dolly which is produced by open ai and they're kind of famously very restrictive um, in what they allow you to do and they don't have an API or anything like that. And they're very restrictive of what you can enter in and and what kind of output you can generate. And then you have other places like Google, they have their own tool called Imogen, I think. Um, And they don't let, like they don't even let their employees like publish images created with with it without specific approval you know because they're just afraid of all the implications so we've definitely taken a much more libertarian approach Uh, we have uh, some filters on the input and the output of of what is generated so both filtering like the prompt that you enter to try to remove like adult content or hateful content and then the output the images generated are actually run through another ai that tries to check for adult content or violence, violent, hateful stuff, and then it will actually block it and return an error if it generates an image that appears to be that. So we do have some guardrails in place, but ultimately I think um, we've definitely taken a more libertarian approach, as I said, and it's more about the license restrictions that we have. We kind of leave it on the user. So yeah. It's not something that that's automated that you're just going to allow a bot to go free and do this. It takes human interaction. So it's no different in my mind than Photoshop. I mean, anyone can create the worst images in Photoshop, right? And then yeah. publish them. So it's kind of the same thing. It's just another tool. Um, and it's up to you ultimately to make sure you follow by our use restrictions and you follow by applicable laws and yeah. morality and all that. So. Okay, so just uh, an interesting point at, at this moment. If you go to the plugin repo, there is an FAQ section, as there always is, at the bottom. And the, the last of the FAQs is what restrictions are there. And you can see on there that you've obviously given this a lot of thought. There's all sorts of categories. There's probably about 20 or more bullet points about things that you you really shouldn't be doing. Um, that leads me to believe... Sorry, not leads me to believe. It leads me to ask... Uh, do you find yourselves, so you and Josh, are you in any way culpable for what the AI produces because it's done on your infrastructure and your hardware and delivered to other people who, I don't know, let's say, for example, that I type in a, uh, a phrase and I'm suddenly shown an image which shocks me to the core. You know, it's really sh- troubling and I can't get over it. And I decide, well, you know what? 
the, those guys that imagine they are to blame. They supplied this image to me. Do you have you had to give that any thought and protect yourself against that? I have, Josh. Do you have any uh, input? No, I'm interested to hear what you say about that. <laughs> well, I think I think in general, I view this whole this whole area as it's just another tool for artists. So just like you can see all these like newspaper articles about people being scared to death when photography was invented, that that was going to kill all art and all these kind of things. Um, this is just, and they thought the same thing when Photoshop was invented, right? Oh, you can edit it and make a picture look real. That's not real. You know, you could put someone's head on a different person's body, whatever it is. Um, so my mind is no different than that. It's just another iteration on technology enabling artists to um, create things easier and, and with more powerful tools, mm. you know? So is Photoshop culpable when someone uses that to generate harmful content? Mm. I don't think so. I don't think anyone would argue that. And argue, I argue that in the same way, except in our case, at least since it's a um, cloud service, um, we do have legal restrictions that we put on people um, for what they can generate usage of our service. So we do have a way to um, try to protect ourselves legally and hopefully protect the help, help protect the world from it being used in, in harmful ways. But yeah. Okay. Thank you. A lot of the images that I have seen have been, how to describe it, fairly whimsical. Uh, so this comes from all the different AIs, the Dali and the Stable Diffusion and the Mid Journey and so on. And, you know, they, they seem to have this sort of like quality about them, this sort of light. And a lot of them look almost like fantasy, which which initially led me to believe that that was really all it was capable of. But m more recently, I've been finding a lot of images, you know, of uh, which generating what looked to be, you know, like real humans and so on. And so I just want to speak about that, really. It, it, is it confined to a particular style? You know, it can it do, I don't know, um, Monet style? And can it do uh, photorealistic style? And can it, I, I'm really dredging the barrels of my own knowledge here. I don't really know a lot about art, but you get the point. Can it do a whole bunch of different styles? And can you request that style given a text prompt? So for example, if I include the keyword Monet, am I going to receive things back that look of that style? Yeah, I can try to dive at this one a little bit. The for, So yes to that um, in terms of the types of prompts and that was one of the things that we wanted to expand people's tool set and creativity with in their minds was by giving a whole set of prompts. So we have two or three different or three different drop downs where you could s select anything from an artist's name to a style type to um, um, the medium that it came from. So whether that's, you know, acrylic or watercolor or photorealistic or all of those things. So you have different drop downs to help guide through that. Um, but one thing we have noticed is there are styles that it, that it excels at and that whimsical style is one. Um, paintings is another one. Sometimes like the really historic looking type paintings um, that you would see if you were traveling around in different monasteries or, um, you know, castles or whatever Yeah, that these, these style, that style type, it flourishes in that space. When you start getting into photorealistic and this is where some of the stuff for how is this going to work out in blog posts and that in, in the future, um, if you go at it and you're like, well, I'm going to create a photorealistic stock image of a human, there's usually some kind of deformation that takes place or, you know, something doesn't just look, right when it's a photo when you're trying to replicate a photo it's it often doesn't look just right there's something that looks a little off so um so you of have to definitely okay. yeah of human specifically but other stuff it, it seems to to work well with like technology or a car or something like that um but again this is like the very beginnings of this technology and it's it's super interesting to see some of the more elaborate pieces and, and our minds are still grappling with like, how do we 
give this type of functionality to people who might have a use case for this. So an example of that is Aaron uh, trained it to himself, uploaded <laughs> 20, 20 images on his own. And, and it, he can create any image of himself that he wants to in any style. And it does an amazing job, actually, like a, you're sitting there going like he could have had to hire somebody to do this. Yeah. So there's some of that kind of stuff where it's it's still not um, and it's still not affordable to do that for everybody. Uh, but it is a interesting technology and something that like we're looking at. How do you how could we implement this? What what use cases does it make sense for? So for like blogs, poetry, like I, I think of people writing short stories, poetry, like this is a fantastic mode of getting some kind of image up there if you're using WordPress as your as your publishing platform. Yeah. So a couple of questions coming from that. The first one is do do you know if the if the how to describe it, the defects, I think was the word that you used, with humans, is that deliberate? Is that a deliberate sort of uh, attempt to make it so that you can't just have a perfectly accurate rendition of a human or is that just a byproduct of something that's the first question no it, it's not deliberate okay um part of it is humans by their nature are very good at um like if you think about it like if you look at like pictures of say dogs you, you wouldn't be able to tell one dog from the other very easily they all look the same to you right mm -hmm, but mm -hmm our human brain is trained to really recognize faces. So got it. if there's in a photo of a face, if there's any tiny small thing that's a little bit off, like it, it screams to us, it's called the uncanny valley. Right. You've heard of that concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the same thing with the AI. So it may generate, you try to generate a photorealistic human face and you just know that there's something off. You might not be able to place it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and also it, it really hates uh like all our fingers. Yeah. <laughs> and arms <laughs> yeah. and legs. It, it as it's drawing those, I think the AI kind of loses track so you end up with too many fingers or fingers coming out of weird parts of your body, you know, stuff like that. Oh, of course that so, kind of speaks so, to the whole um the whole the, the the process that's going on in the background it's just doing exactly. adjacent pixels so it doesn't really know where the finger's going to end up where it begins so get these exactly. like banana like it doesn't effects know the, full it. Context, the finger yeah. drifts off in the wrong direction yeah it's fascinating yeah my understanding so, was so that's that one of his sorry, biggest weakness okay. with, with with full body humans you can do like close up portraits of a human face that look really realistic um, cuz then it kind of doesn't lose track um, as much um, but like if you're trying to do like a stock photo of of people at a business meeting or something like that, then they're all going to look horribly deformed. You know? <laughs> okay, limitations yeah. still still abound. The other question that I was going to ask is: so let's say, for example, I'm a brand, and uh, I've got this, uh, you know, I've got a team of graphic designers, and over the years we've we've come up with this this color palette, and we've come up with this this feel. You know, like you've got that Nike feel, you've got that Coke feel. Can it Maybe not in the implementation you've got because it sounds like it's more generic. Maybe you can. Can you train it to sort of be on brand for you? In other words, so that it always gives you that Coke red or it gives you that kind of feel. And yeah, I, I'm struggling to put it into words. But do you understand what I mean? Can it can it be trained yeah. uniquely so that what you get is different from what everybody else gets? Right. Currently, it can't be trained, mm -hmm. but... You can, for example, like once you find a style you like or that goes along um, in your prompts, so the text that you're prompting, you can say, you know, a red background or or whatever it may be, you know. And um, so you could like save that, that style that you're using for all your prompts and just continue with that, you know, for different subjects. Right. So that's something that we're looking into is is like the ability to save a style that you really love so you can kind of keep that that certain style um, through all your featured images that you're generating or, or whatever. Yeah, I feel that for brands, that would be a really important thing because, it, you know, you, you they spend great deals of money getting people to recognize their brand. And, you know, you just know at Christmas when the Coke ad is two seconds in, there's just something about it. You have no idea that it's Coke, but you know it's Coke. There hasn't been, there's, there's nobody's presented the Coke logo, nobody's presented the Coke, uh, the drink. You just think this is a Coke ad. 
and you're two seconds right. into it's it. It's the polar bears. It's yeah, the yeah. polar bears. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Or trains yeah. or Father Christmas or whatever. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so that was just another thought. Okay, a couple of times you've alluded to the fact that obviously this is done inside of WordPress, but it's shooting the things over back to your infrastructure. We know that computing in the cloud, albeit much cheaper than it ever was, it, it is not free. Um, so there's a cost burden which you must bear. And in order to make these images, at some point, people were going to have to dip into their pockets. So we're talking about pricing now. How does it work? Lay out the uh, lay out the basics of the pricing, whether that's, I don't know, can you get like a, a plan where you buy certain credits or is it a one-time fee? How does it all hang together? Yeah, sure. Well, first off, just talk about the computing. So we can't run this on your own like WordPress hosting server. It takes... Uh, like a $20,000 graphics card to be able to generate these in a decent amount of time. So it's it's not it's not cheap. It uses some pretty expensive resources, you know. So um, so we have to run that in the cloud. So that's why when when you submit your prompt it actually goes to our API and then we run it on these super powerful cloud servers that have, you know, really expensive graphics cards that um, from NVIDIA or Tesla that are designed for running these AI models, you know, efficiently. Um, so there definitely is some some cost that we have to pass on to users. So um, currently we, we do it as a credit system. So basically we, we simplified and made it every time that you click generate and it creates the four images, then that uses one of your credits. Oh, okay. And so our plans are, are essentially just based on that. So you can subscribe to how many credits you need. And to get started, uh, we give you uh, 10 credits currently for free. So all you do is enter your email address to connect to our cloud uh, within the Imagine block itself. And then you're immediately connected and you get your free credits with no credit card or anything like that. So nice. that you can try out the service and generate a bunch of images and uh, try the different features, you know, see if you like it. And then from there, when you run out of credits, you can um, upgrade to a paid plan, depending on how many credits you need. Per and month. what are the, so we're recording this in late uh, 2022. What are the current pricings per credit? So currently the lowest plan is $9 a month. Okay. And I believe that is for, um, 25 credits, I think. Okay. Um, yep. So that's a hundred images basically that yep. you could create. Yep. And if you, so I, if I, if I submit one credit, I get four images back and then there's this process where I'd pick on, pick one of them and then that gets scaled up by, does that consume other credits or is that part of the bundle that got the first four? No, that's part of the bundle. Okay. So you can, you can save or, um, any of the, the, um, images that you've created, you know, as much as you want. Okay. Um, yeah, and and this and those credits work across all your websites too. So we don't limit you on the number of WordPress sites you have. Right, right. Um, so say you you buy a bundle of credits and then you can sign into a thousand WordPress sites. You know, and your clients can be generating images as much as they want. But. Yeah. So the client thing is is there is there a mechanism? Would they have to go through your account, or is do you have? I don't know. Maybe there is already, or are there plans for? like a, a client version of it. So in other words, I've got 50 websites, each of them wants to sign up, but I'm going to sign them up and then distribute their tokens, their yeah. credits to them. Currently you would just, just sign them all yeah. up under okay. your account. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as people need it, we'll probably add like a, uh, maybe like a budget system. So you could say within our like control panel, you could say, okay, this site is allowed this many, you know, yeah. so that your clients don't use up all your credits. But yeah. I got to say, I find this area absolutely fascinating, and although we haven't really touched on it, a little bit scary at the same time. You know, there's the whole argument about um, whether or not it's going to make it difficult for people in graphic design to to continue in that same uh, vein, or whether or not it's just gonna, it's just going to create thousands of images which we can't tell from the real thing. You know, the whole fake fake news is, is did he really do that? I've absolutely no idea. Um, so that that's that's sort of a, a slight other side of the, the seesaw a little bit just before we end, but totally fascinating. I must admit, this has got me, like my ears completely pricked up. It really does seem like this is going to be here to stay. And you've got right in at the beginning. So bravo for pulling this off 
almost as I think you are probably the first to do this. I could be wrong. Maybe there's other plugins, but it feels certainly from my point of view, it feels like you're the first guys that have come along and offered this. So well done. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you're jump welcome. Jump on today and kind of talk through it. Yeah, of course. Where can we find you? Apart from um, going to the repo, are there any Twitter handles you want to drop or email addresses or, you know, you, maybe the Infinite Uploads website or something like that? Just feel free one at a time to uh, to just tell us where we can get in touch. Yeah, the infiniteuploads.com is our website. And um, we have a Twitter at Infinite Uploads, um, but you can follow me. I'm always tweeting about like the development and the new stuff that we're doing. And as I play around with this AI stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Ugly Robot Dev. Um, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So that's actually the name of our parent company is Ugly Robot. Oh, so, uh, yeah. Okay. And we're building products under that. Okay, thanks. And Josh? And my Twitter is at Josh Daly, D-A-I-L-E-Y. Um, and, uh, the infinite uploads website has all three of our, our plugins on there. Uh, the information about them, the support and everything else is from there. So infinite uploads, big file uploads and, uh, imagine now. Thank you very much, Josh and Aaron. Thanks for chatting to us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. It was absolutely fascinating chatting to both Josh and Aaron about how Imagine creates AI images. If you got through that episode and you weren't utterly flabbergasted by how this technology works, well, I don't understand you. It was completely amazing to me. I really was somewhat humbled in the presence of such amazing, amazing technology. Thoroughly enjoyed that. I hope that you did too. If you've got any comments, if you thought it was interesting, if you think the sky is falling in chicken little style and this is the end of all things, let us know in the comments on the website. Search for episode number 314. If you think that this is the best thing since sliced bread, well, you can go to the website and tell us that as well. The WP Builds podcast was brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place. Invoice clients and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by going to go.me forward slash WP builds. And again, sincere thanks to GoDaddy Pro for helping us keep the lights on at the WP Builds podcast. One last quick plug for the Page Builder Summit, pagebuildersummit.com, 20th to the 24th of February. Go there now, hit the pink button and let us know that you want to be involved in the summit in the next few weeks. I really would appreciate your attendance. There's lots of good stuff for you to see. Okay, that's it. That's all we've got for you this week. I hope that you stay safe and have a good week coming up. We'll be back on Monday for the This Week in WordPress show and back next Thursday for a chat with David Wormsley and I. So, as I said, stay safe. Bye-bye for now. And here comes some cheesy music.